0: Hello and welcome. I am Kim Keen, host of the One of a Kind You podcast. I started this podcast to share my journey of my past self, a woman who was struggling with leaving her teaching career and adjusting to stay-at-home mom life to help other women with their motherhood journey or their work-life balance journey so they can let go and make themselves a priority without all the sacrificing. If you are a regular listener to One of a Kind You, thank you so much for taking the time to tune into another episode. I am so appreciative that you are here. If you're a new listener to One of a Kind, you welcome, welcome. I'm excited to have you as well. This podcast is a place where I share a journal entry of mine from about five or six years ago, and I reflect on what I know now as a certified life coach and what I wish I had known then. And so today's journal entry is gonna focus on um, what I didn't get from my parents as a child and how that affected me as an adult and also really focusing on how nurturing I was or wasn't. So this journal entry is from April 20th of 2016. And I write, Yesterday I heard two messages from Joel that were about parenting. This first was about the importance of what a father gives a daughter. All of the things he described were things my dad and other parents didn't do. It makes complete sense as to how I ended up with Rob, Marcus, and the other guys that weren't great. I was looking for what my dad didn't give me. The other message was about the legacy we pass on to our family. The examples he gave were crazy. The family with deep-rooted issues and dysfunction continued on that way for generations and generations. The family that valued each other, were self-assured and functional also continued on that way for generations and generations. I don't want to continue the cycle of dysfunction. I want to end it. I am still struggling in some ways. I'm not as patient or as nurturing as I'd like to be. I was telling Nancy that it happens almost uncontrollably, as if I've blacked out. It's definitely a past wound or experience resurfacing. I want to let go and move on. It just seems near impossible at times. And this was a really long journal entry, so I'm going to stop there with this one, and then I'll continue it next week. So the first thing I wanted to talk about is um, the fact that I was listening to Joel Osteen at the time, and my girls still laugh because when they were little and we'd be riding in the car, I would listen to it on Sirius XM because I knew that something was missing. Um, It was definitely the lack of spirit, spirituality, and so I had the mind-body piece. I knew about the importance of exercising and eating well and hydrating And getting sleep for the physical self and I knew that I was working on the mental stuff because I was reading um, personal growth books self-help books I was in therapy therapy wasn't really working but I knew that I was working to change the mental patterns that I was running but I still felt like there was something missing and I grew up in a family or families where we didn't go to church so my grandmother is devout Catholic and growing up, she would take my dad and my uncles to church every Sunday, even when they were on vacation. They would ride around until they found a church and they would go to mass and then they would continue on the journey home after mass. And so my dad can remember being in their station wagon dressed in his Sunday best and sitting in the back of the station wagon because my grandmother would take them from church to the grocery store because they were right next to each other. And my grandfather and my dad and my uncles would sit in the car and wait for my grandmother while she was grocery shopping. And my grandmother, God love her, but takes forever in a day to do her shopping because she has her coupons and she has to check to make sure that the coupon is for the right item. And um, I swear she started the extreme couponing craze. Not really, but she's crazy serious about her coupons just like the the extreme couponers and so my dad can remember sitting in the car when he was little and swearing that he would never force his kids to go to church ever and he held fast to that so i didn't grow up going to church my stepmom went to church but she um also catholic and became disillusioned with the catholic faith with all of the controversy with in the catholic church so no church there and then my mom did not grow up going to church she grew up in a legacy of dysfunction my stepdad grew up going to church but also no church so we didn't talk about faith we didn't talk about spirituality we didn't talk about seeking guidance from a higher being something bigger than ourselves when you know the crap hit the fan we just put our head down and barreled through. And so at this point in my journey, my healing journey, I really started to get curious about religion and because and in my mind, I thought that was spirituality. So I went and bought myself a Bible. I started reading the Bible and I would listen to Joel every single time I was in the car. And um, his messages were really helpful and that they're empowering, they're motivating. Um, and so this one really struck me. It was like that light bulb moment, like, oh my gosh, no wonder I ended up with Rob and Marcus and all of the other not-so-great guys after them because I was looking for that that love and affection from a man that I didn't feel like I got from my dad or my stepdad, and I was looking for it in all the wrong ways, and it was that external validation that you're lovable, that you're worthy, that um, you're wanted, and so that was kind of that aha moment of oh that's how I ended up in those relationships and so I just knew that I didn't want that for my girls and I really when I started this journey of going to therapy back in 20 November of 2014 and I started learning about codependency and anxiety and childhood emotional neglect I said to my husband if there is anything Anything that comes from this So help me I am going to break the cycle of this for my children because I don't want them to live with this same um, legacy that my parents and Grandparents and great-grandparents and great-great-grandparents have left for me I did not want that legacy to continue for my children. So I was determined if for nothing else to end that for them and um, but that meant I had to do a lot of work um, on my own self and knew it wasn't going to be easy. I didn't know how challenging it was going to feel most of the time, but it was, you know, kind of like, so I believe in signs. So this was just another sign, another indication that I was on the right path. I was on the right path of healing and it was important to learn about all of these things so that I could at the end of the day, change the legacy for my kids and not only for my children, but for other people that I help. So the other message that I listened to from Joel was the part about the legacy that's left for our family and how, you know, whether you have a legacy of dysfunction or a legacy of empowerment and being self-assured, whatever that legacy is, that travels through generation after generation after generation. And Unfortunately, a lot of the times we don't even realize it's not our legacy to carry any longer. It's just the only thing that we know and it's scary to go to what we don't know. So sometimes the unknown is scarier than what is known. And so I was kind of in that place too because I didn't really know what life was going to be like without the dysfunction. Without the limiting beliefs, without the unserving thought patterns that associated with codependency and anxiety and childhood emotional life, I didn't know what life looked like on the other side of that. And that was terrifying for me because it felt horrible and really bad as I was going through the healing journey. And I just thought, goodness, if it gets any worse than this, I don't know if I can take this. I don't know how long I can go on like this. And so... I really was struggling to break that legacy of dysfunction in this moment because I was so hyper focused on the dysfunction I was so hyper focused on what felt wrong and how I had been wronged in the past and all the things in my life that quote-unquote hadn't worked out for me even though I had a lot to be proud of for what I had accomplished but I was just so focused on the struggles and the trial and tribulations that I I didn't think that I would actually be able to change the legacy. I thought for sure, because I was miserable, I thought for sure a divorce from my husband was inevitable. My parents got divorced. My mom and my stepdad have separated numerous times but are back together and their marriage only hangs on by a thread um my dad and my stepmom have been married since 91 so 30 years almost 31 years and i will say their marriage is definitely more stable than my mom's but now as an outsider looking in i see that there's dysfunction there not on a huge level just on a small scale um but it works for them and my dad and my stepmom are happy and they're madly in love so that's that's their journey not mine um and they don't even see what I see. And I think I just see it because I'm over aware and I have the awareness of life coaching and patterns and control what we can and cannot control and all of those things and they don't have that awareness. But anyhow, um, and so I really just thought that on some level I was doomed to repeat what had been repeated for me from generation and generation and generation. And it was really overwhelming to figure out how to stop the dysfunction, how to stop the legacy in its tracks and create a new cycle. And what I realized is that the first step in doing that was actually to have the awareness that there was this dysfunction there and seeing how it impacted my grandparents, my great grandparents. I didn't know my great grandparents um, on my mom's side. I didn't really know her parents. But listening to the stories that she's told, listening to the stories that my aunts have told, seeing the things that my uncles have been through from a distance, because my mom um, was in the foster care system from the age of 10 until 18, and so were her siblings. And so there isn't this strong family connection between them. But there are times, I would say maybe once every 20 years, where um, she has an interaction with one of the brothers or one of the sisters, They're Um, Is one sister that she's incredibly close with and that I'm also very close with, and then another sister who is somewhat close um, that we see more often. But generally, looking out, looking from where my perspective is, I can see how my mom's siblings are continuing the legacy of dysfunction. I can see how their kids are continuing the legacy of dysfunction. And so, really, just understanding that we do have the power to make the change and that we're not helpless with the things that are happening to us or have happened to us or that are currently happening. And so that was the, the big thing for me was, was having that awareness like, oh, okay, this is why I feel the way that I feel. This is why I think the way that I think. This is why the way, you know, why I act the way that I act it all stems from childhood experiences it all you know extends from beliefs that have been handed down to me from my parents and what they've learned from their parents and on and on and on and recognizing that i didn't necessarily want to continue those beliefs i didn't want to necessarily um, continue the cycle of dysfunction i wanted to if anything take it as a positive instead of looking at it as a negative because in this moment It was all a negative. It was so overwhelmingly suffocating to know all the trauma that I had experienced and previous generations had experienced and how it was impacting me in the current moment. And I just was being crushed by the weight of it. I could not get past it. And if you're a regular listener, you hear, you know, journal after journal after journal entry of being fixated on it and not really being able to move past it. And the beliefs, the fixation on the past and the trauma was not allowing me to move forward. So it was really about a matter of saying, okay, these things happened, what am I gonna take from these experiences? Am I gonna take the woe is me card or am I gonna take, oh my gosh, this is what I learned from these experiences and this it got me to here. And I really needed to take the second option of the, okay, this is what I learned from these experiences this is all that these experience have, experiences have given to me. I am not a victim because I am choosing how I'm moving forward. And it, it relates into the next thing where, you know, I talk about not being as patient or as nurturing as I'd like to be. And in the moments where things felt out of hand, um, I did. It was literally like I almost blacked out. And The story that comes to my mind is like it's heart-wrenching for me to even think about it now. But my girls were in daycare, and it was their Halloween parade after hours, and we lived only 10 minutes from daycare. So I made their costumes that year. I made these gorgeous peacock costumes and was so proud of them. And we get to the parade, and my daughter Lily, who is usually very outgoing, would not not leave my side then and was fussing and carrying on and then Kay- and man, she's been at this daycare since she was two and now she's five so it's not like she just started there she had been there for years she knew all the teachers little miss social butterfly when I wasn't around and my husband wasn't around and so because she started freaking out then Casey at the time who was only two also started freaking out and neither of them wanted to go for the parade and the parents were supposed to stand on the side and the kids were supposed to walk around with the teachers and when I was so embarrassed because my girls were the only girls misbehaving and not getting into line for the parade and having a meltdown. And then, so when we get in the car, I completely lost it and I shamed them so bad. I did this for you and this is how you act. You acted ungrateful. I never again am I doing anything for you special. will never do anything special. And it was because I use the costumes as a vehicle to get my needs met and i was not feeling significant i was not feeling um connected i was not feeling any sense of certainty and for me when things get tough when you know what hits the fan the things that i want to feel are significance and certainty those are the two things that i need And so in that moment, and my husband was just kind of standing there like a deer in the headlights with the kids acting up, wasn't trying to step in and be like, oh, can I give you a hand? Get in the car. It wasn't saying anything. And so I just felt like it was the world against me. And I often felt that way growing up. So it was totally a trigger response in the moment. And so I was, it was almost like a double-edged sword. I was mad that I wasn't appreciated in the moment for all that I had done for the kids. And then I was also mad at myself for shaming them because at this time I knew how impactful, negatively impactful shaming someone could be because I, I was living the effects of being shamed. And so it was just in this moment, this utter sense of disappointment in myself and the situation. And of course, I would still do anything for my kids. I still make their costumes, but it was this wounded inner child. It was this All this triggered um, energy that had been brought up it took me back to being a little kid and not feeling like I mattered it took me back to being a little kid and made me feel like no one cared and that I was it was me against the world and so this was a a horrible trigger and so really I needed to recognize that it, this situation wasn't that. This situation was not me against the world with, you know, over a Halloween costume and a Halloween parade. It, in that moment, it, my trauma brain felt like it was, but it really wasn't. And so in that moment, I needed to learn how to just pause. I needed to learn how to pause and take a breath so that I could actually process the situation more from a grounded place than this irrational place of you know telling myself a story that wasn't true and so then that way I could move forward in an empowered way and just say okay girls that's fine that you don't want to walk in the parade we'll wait for everyone to come back here and then you can have cupcakes with the rest of the kids and at the end of the day was that a big deal no it wasn't but for me it felt like in that moment when it felt like they were being brats that was more than I could handle. But plus two, it was because I had this image in my mind of what life should be like, and it was if there is nothing, no drama, no um, rocking the boat, so to speak, and my kids are well behaved, then people will see me as someone who is not dysfunctional, someone who is not struggling with past trauma and doing inner work to heal all of that trauma. It. I wanted them to think that I was a normal, I say normal, loosely. Um, I wanted them to think that there was nothing wrong and that life was good for me and I had it all together and I wasn't this dysfunctional person in a massive amount of pain. And so looking back now, it's like, Kim, that is so not real life. That's not even a realistic thing. Everybody has some sort of obstacle or challenge, whether it's as severe as mine or not, everyone has something. There is not one person on this planet who has nothing that's ever happened to them. That's just not how life works. But I had this story in my head that because my life was filled with so much dysfunction as a kid and a teenager, and then I, I had to erase it. It could, no dysfunction, no drama, no challenges, no obstacles could exist. And then that meant that things were okay and I had made it. And that's the farthest thing from the truth there's always going to be a challenge. There's always going to be an obstacle. I mean, even this morning, um, getting the kids ready for school, our kitchen is kind of tiny and it needs to be reconfigured. And we're in the process of working with a designer to make that happen within the next year. But our house is very, very old. It's 300 years old. And so we're just getting settled in and we're still getting adjusted to things. And we had to have the refrigerator line fixed because it was leaking into the basement. And so um, once it was fixed, the water pressure from the water dispenser on the refrigerator was normal. And then this morning, it was not normal. It's very light. And so my husband said, um, you know, the water pressure isn't right. And I'm like, well, that's not good because that means we either need a new well dug or we need our house repiped. So he said it three more times and I could feel myself starting to get frustrated. And I kind of snapped a little bit. I'm like, okay, B, what, what do you want from me? I, I can't fix the water pressure. I'm like, I'm calling the plumber today for have him come take a look at the other things. And he was like, we'll just add it to the list. Okay, not a problem. And so I recognized that I started to feel a little overwhelmed because I have Casey talking, I have Lily who I'm trying to get moving because we have to get out the door to get to school. He's telling me repeatedly about the water. I'm trying to get the animals fed. I'm also trying to eat my own breakfast, and it was just too many things going on. And so in that moment, I just needed to stop. I just needed to pause, and I just needed to breathe. So I could get that trauma response, that trigger response back down, because I am not in survival mode. There was no lion chasing me, no saber tooth tiger chasing me. There was no immediate threat of danger he was just probably overwhelmed too because to move into this house has been overwhelming for him and he's probably thinking, oh gosh, not something else. So it's just a matter of being able to manage things in the moment as they come up. And a lot of times we get into a reactive mode, at least I have gotten into reactive mode. And so I've tried to get to a place of being more proactive with managing my awareness and how I'm responding to situations and the meaning I'm giving to them and how I'm just taking it all in through my filter of life and so that then gives me the opportunity to say okay I'm gonna to respond to the situation in this way and this is what it means and this is how we're moving forward and it doesn't always happen it's still not always an automatic response to take a proactive approach but it is more so now than it was back in April of 2016 because now the awareness is there so I hope that you found today's episode helpful. If you do, please feel free to share it with a friend, the more the merrier. And if you would be so kind to take a minute or two to leave a review, I would greatly appreciate it. I read all of the reviews so that I can ensure that I am giving you the content that you're looking for that will be the most helpful and beneficial to you since you take the time to listen to one of a kind you. I want to make sure that I am giving you exactly what you're looking for. So I just want to thank you again so much from the bottom of my heart for taking the time to tune in. I hope you have a wonderful new year and I will see you in 2020.